Chapter 1, Why Study the Future? When I was a kid, I was told that someday I'd fly a helicopter to work. There were even pictures in a popular mechanics magazine my third grade teacher kept at her desk. I couldn't wait. Alas, I'm still waiting. For the record, it's not just the helicopter that hasn't arrived. Other promises were made. The Atlantic said that by the year 2000, we'd have abolished war and the poor would be living in high-rise abodes of happiness and health. The chairman of the U.S. Atomic Energy Commission said nuclear power would be too cheap to meter, and the writers of Ladies Home Journal said that all rats and mice would be eliminated, as would the letters C, Q, and Z. As I understood it, by the time I was 30, we'd all be vacationing on the moon, celebrating the end of cancer, breathing clean air, and living to be 300, while looking, acting, and feeling as if we were 25. We'd also have plenty of money and little to do other than jet around enjoying our toys. But somewhere along the way, things took a proverbial left turn. As the cover of a recent issue of MIT's Technology Review stated, you promised me Mars colonies. Instead, I got Facebook. Yesterday's errant predictions shouldn't be much of a surprise. When you study the history of the future, you see that we've never been very good at looking ahead. We predict things that do not happen, fail to predict things that do, and sometimes get it exactly backwards. Robert Malthus is Exhibit A for the last category. In the 19th century, he warned that because our population was growing exponentially while our food production was not, we'd all soon starve. Of course, we haven't. Just the opposite. Farmers now grow more food on less land, and the rest of us have gained weight. And Malthus's misfire is just one of many. Back in the 1970s, the CIA failed to foresee Iran's embrace of radical Islam. More recently, they were surprised by both the Internet and the Arab Spring. Come to think of it, no one did a particularly good job predicting social media, LASIK surgery, Starbucks, or salad in a bag. But that should not slow us down. In fact, we desperately need to look ahead, and now more than ever. Why do I say this? Why should you look ahead when futurists have been so wrong so often? Why read a book about the next 30 years when no one can consistently predict tomorrow's weather? Well, though we get a lot wrong, we also get a lot right. Yes, there are celebrated misses, but we're getting better all the time. Futurists do not do details very well, but they're increasingly good at identifying the trends that matter. Looking ahead helps us prepare. This book will help you navigate the emotional and practical trauma associated with change by buying you a bit of time to prepare. Perhaps you're energized by change. If so, give yourself a high five because you're unique. Most of us find it at least a little unsettling, and it causes some to break out in a cold sweat. Stop everything! I can't keep up! The voice-activated Internet of Things, gene editing and personalized medicine, I don't even know what these things are, let alone how to use them. I still can't program my VCR and they stopped making video cassettes 15 years ago. I want off the change train. This response is normal. When books were introduced, people feared them, just as they had feared the rise of writing centuries earlier. Books? People feared books? What's to fear, you ask? Paper cuts? You might think those overwhelmed by books were overreacting. After all, words on a page are not exactly disruptive technology. But those yelling stop saw it differently. They worried that this new method of communicating would take ideas too far too fast. 
They reasoned that knowledge had always been linked with memorization and argued that if books became common, no one would bother to memorize anything anymore. And yet, can you imagine where we'd be without books? I'm not suggesting that all change is good. Some is and some is not. I'm simply contending that one of the reasons we need to look ahead is to prepare ourselves for the books that are coming our way. Many of us do better with a bit of lead time. I sure do. Sometimes 10 minutes is all I need to quell the panic and turn the problem into an opportunity. But I need those 10 minutes or 10 months. Looking ahead helps us buy time, perhaps enough to keep our wits about us. The second reason we should study the future is because we cannot not look. A third reason to consciously look ahead is to better leverage what we are already doing anyway. Face it, you have views about tomorrow. In fact, you have plans for next year. We're all futurists, and our view of the future is shaping the way we live today. 